This is the Full Frontal Living Podcast. I'm your host, master coach, and emotional resiliency expert, Lisa Carpenter. I'm here to be your guide through real, raw conversations, navigating life as a high achiever. This show covers what it takes to create physical and emotional well-being, along with how to honor and partner with your body. I'm here to guide you to a connected relationship with yourself, turning self-care into a way of being and not just another task on your to-do list. After all, the things we love, we take care of. This podcast gives you permission to love what you do, but love yourself more. Welcome to the Full Frontal Living Podcast. Hey, hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into another episode of the Full Frontal Living Podcast. And I have a very special guest with me today. You probably heard me talk about him on previous episodes. And he's actually been a guest on an episode before where we shared our journey. We talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember all the things. And I'm kind of laughing right now because he's sitting in a kid's chair beside me uh, because he said then he'd be at the same level the microphone is me yeah she's short I'm a little bit taller you are a little bit taller but I feel too tall now anyway so today I brought my hubby back on Macy and we're going to talk a little bit about habits and identity which I'm super pumped about because more than anybody I know you've really changed some massive habits in your life So, you know, before we kind of dive in, it's been nine years. Yep. Nine years sober. As of yesterday. As of yesterday. How does that feel? Feels good when I think about it, but I don't think about it a whole lot. I know. So this is why we wanted to talk about this. This is specifically why I wanted to have Macy on the podcast, because over the summer, when we were vacationing, I was thinking about how so many of you listeners who tune in, you're very much attached to your identities of who you think you are. And it might be an identity about your body, your weight, your relationships, things that you can't, that you literally tell yourself that you can't stop doing. And a lot of this, you know, for a lot of my clients in the past has related to food or overworking. And Macy is such a great example. You're such a great example of anything is possible. Any type of identity change is possible. So here we are nine years later. And I remember you writing in a card to me once that you couldn't even imagine what life would be like sober. And here you are nine years. Yeah, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. It's really good. I love you. That's so funny. This is it. This is it. This is it. But back then it was hard to even imagine that the life that we've created would even be possible. Yeah. Good point. I was so into my addictions that, uh, you know, it, it was hard for me to, well, I certainly didn't picture long-term goals or, or visualize how I wanted to create a life. Every day was very much about, you know, using. Mm. So it was, um, as an addict, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you're thinking about the next day and surviving really. Yeah. Hiding and surviving. 
it's amazing to watch where you are now. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, because one of the things that I think is so amazing about your journey is that, well, one, you don't go to meetings anymore. We can talk a little bit about why that is. And I think we talked about it on the last podcast episode, but you don't, the reason that we don't really celebrate. So we were sitting here going, wow, it's been nine years, you know, and I did a podcast uh, episode earlier on just saying like, I was having a week where I kind of remembered that, oh my God, this is when, you know, I had my big wake up call and everything kind of unraveled. But how did you go about, you know, from there to now, because you don't identify as an addict. So we don't really celebrate your sobriety birthday. No. The way that many people in recovery do, because you've really let go of all your past history. Yeah. This is very much uh, is on point with um, identity and what you wanted to talk about. So in the treatment center where I, I cleaned up, sobered up and, and learned to live again, you know, they, I left there with a, a plan, a written plan. And, and that plan was, you know, you know, looking back on it now was uh, forming new habits. Mm. A big portion of that was going to meetings regularly, uh, checking in with other addicts who I had gone through the program with, you know, to establish communication and, and start sharing as well as one of the ones that I guess we'll touch on is, is I make my bed every morning. And that is a habit that I had never done before. Uh, and one that I still do today. For me, it's uh, a reminder every day. I, I start today fresh and it's a new day. And, and uh, you know, I, for me, I don't know, subconsciously, it just puts me on a track of, okay, this today's a day of sobriety. Today is a day, you know, that I can enjoy. I think that that's really important what you said, because I think oftentimes, and I know that, you know, I've done this to myself, we're looking for the big wins, right? We want that life at the end of the tunnel, or we want our bodies to be different, or we want that relationship to come into our world. But we don't realize that none of those things happen without these foundational habits that move us closer towards where we want to be. And it really is, whether it's getting sober, whether it's, you know, kicking codependency with, with up, which is what I did or changing your body. It really is a one day at a time. Like what is the one thing that you can do today to move the needle forward? Yeah. And what they really stressed and, and I do take to heart was that it had to be something that was uh, physical in nature, like a doing, and it had to be small, something that, you know, wouldn't take up a large portion of time or an effort, just something small and subtle that was different than your previous routine. All right. So what I hear you saying is it's an anchor into the new identity that you wanted to create. That person that you wanted to be would wake up every day, make his bed, be thankful for his sobriety. Yeah. My understanding? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, at, at the time and in, in the beginning, it was um, a reminder that uh, I'm I'm an addict, and today's a new day, and it's one day at a time. I'm going to be sober, you know, clean one day at a time, and that's what it was. It was a reminder of starting this day as here's day one, and just one day at a time. 
I just had this conversation with a client last night about this concept of one day at a time, because it really is so important. We can't, everybody gets so caught in what happened to them in the past or what they want in the future. And when we can really focus on what we need to do just for today. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's so powerful for, uh, you know, I, I keep saying the word addicts, but I think everyone can relate. In it's for same, everybody. For everyone who's got a behavior or a pattern that they don't like, that they just cannot kick for whatever reason. And they repeat it almost subconsciously um, is the one day at a time when we were in our addiction and we were all getting clean in the treatment center, everyone's coming in at different times. Um, every day there's someone else coming in. And when you come in fresh off the streets or wherever, um, you cannot fathom going tomorrow without using. You cannot fathom a week, a month, a year. So, you know, if you were to tell someone that, they, you know, this is your life now, that hurdle is insurmountable. That mountain is too big to climb and they just give up. There's no inspiration or hope because, you know, your body is craving this stuff and, you know, beyond that day, it's just insurmountable. It's really no different than somebody who say has a lot of weight they want to lose, right? That hundred pounds is not going to come off by tomorrow. No amount of vegetable eating today is going to make it happen, but the actions they take today will eventually lead them to the results they want. Yeah. And and, in regards to weight loss, I mean, you know, my body weight does not change. My body composition does. For, yes. for me as a, I'm, I'm an active athletic male, but my body composition changes, but my, my weight doesn't. So I don't see my progress on the scale. I see it uh, in the mirror. Yeah. And uh, you know, like. When so how did, can I ask you just to interrupt? Cause you know, I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. How did you track your progress? So if it really was focused on one day at a time, which you and I both know it was because mine was as well, like one day, what can I do today? How did you track your progress in recovery? Well, like I, I, I did go to meetings and I and I had a home group and, you know, our progress was tracked by uh, tokens, 30 days, 60 okay. days, 90 days, six months, uh, one year, 18 months. So there were baby step milestones, which I think was important because you got recognized by the group and it, it was an opportunity to celebrate the accomplishments, um, pat yourself on the back and get recognition of, of, you know, you have done this for this length of time. And that, you know, in hindsight was important because again, when you look back, time flies. When you mm-hmm. look forward, it's very slow. It's true. It's yeah. true. Cause yeah, like I said, I can remember you saying, I can't even imagine a year from now, where I'll be a year from now. And I remember going to my meetings for, you know, my process addictions and just wondering like, when am I going to feel better? Like, when is my life going to change? When, <laughs> when is the money going to show up? When am I going to be happy? And it really was just a series of being committed to going to those meetings every single week. And I don't even know when I started to feel better. I've joked with clients that, you know, no unicorn or a rainbow showed up. It just, you know, I can look back now and I don't recognize who I was nine years ago. I don't recognize who you were nine years ago. No. And we don't, I don't see the changes in myself um, as they're happening. It's when I um, 
reflect on who I was before, or even, you know, six months ago, nine months ago, that I see that I have changed. Yeah. Um, but in the moment, you, I, you don't see it. You never see it. No. And I think that that's why habits are so important for shifting our identities, because our habits really help provide the foundation for change to happen. Uh, yeah. I mean, as we talk about it, um, the metaphor that comes to mind is, is habits you plan your habits to steer you in the direction you want to go. Mm. And as long as you continue to work on and do those habits that they become second nature, you just have to have faith that you're going to go end up where you, you know, initially set yourself right. on the course to go. But you have to be committed to those habits. You have to be committed to being the person that you want to be. Like you came out of, rehab and I went into my, you know, my journey, a hundred percent committed that I wanted my life different. You were a hundred percent committed to wanting your life to be different. Yeah. With that, I mean, other habits that I had at that time were starting to eat better, to mm -hmm. drink more water, to cut out sugar, which I still to this day <laughs> have a weakness for, but much better with. I think what I was going to say is all those habits, it was a tremendous, it, it really was, it was a tremendous effort to know that I, this is what I had to do every day. Yeah. Even if you didn't feel like it. Even if I didn't feel like it, it was an effort and there's no mistaking that. And I think that that's really important because so often people say they want a certain result and they say they're committed, but when it gets hard or they don't feel like it, they let their emotions drive them instead of their commitments. Well, I think what they all what happens is, you know, you start a new habit and 15 days in, 20 days in, 40 days in, you don't see the change. Mm -mm. It's happening under the surface, but you don't see the change. And this is where, you know, until you, you let it run its course and, and give yourself a length of time, it's hard to stay motivated if you're not seeing the change right away. Right. But you did. Uh, yeah. You did. So that's what I'm asking. And that, that's what I'm curious to, to share with my listeners is your commitment to what you wanted, how you wanted to live that life you wanted. No, no, no. Okay. No, I, I didn't see it right away. My first year was horrible. It was. Like, there's no doubt about it. Like, my first year sucked. Like, I thought, okay, I'm clean and sober. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. Uh, life's great. And it wasn't. I was still in my, you know, head shit. I wasn't feeling positive and happy. And, and I was like, what's the point some days? So how did you stay committed to your sobriety? What kept you committed to that and maintaining those habits? I knew I wouldn't have a family and a life with you. That was a big, a big portion of it. But I also knew I didn't want to go back to how I was living. It wasn't sustainable and it wasn't healthy. And, uh, you know, Jesus, 10 years of doing that, I would probably be dead. Yeah. So I, I knew I didn't want that. I wanted a, a sober life. Um, so your commitment to that yeah. overrode your feelings of any type of relapse behavior. Yeah. And, you know, with, the clarity of coming out of treatment center, not being under the influence. I, I was starting to get clarity on what I wanted my life to look yeah. like. 
and my life, what I wanted it to look like did not involve drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I deep down just believed that everything else would fall into place if my foundation was clean. Yeah. It's really amazing. And I hope that you guys are picking up on, you know, how committed Macy was and is still to this day on his sobriety, because that really is the key. It has to start with being committed to the outcome you want and then putting the habits in place that are going to support that commitment. There are so many days where I don't feel like going to the gym, but the commitment I have to my workouts to going up on stage trumps how I feel. And some days I have to drag my butt out. And some days you're saying, Hey, don't you have to go to the gym, right? Mm -hmm. Like we support each other. Even when it came to my business, being committed to the outcome that I wanted to be in my business, I had to step into like holding that identity of the person who would create the outcome that she wanted. And that's really what you've done. So Mm -hmm. with making the bed, it seems like such a simple thing, but we would go stay at a hotel, even to this day, which checkout day, everybody pulls the sheets off the bed. At least I do. I like to help the maids. You make the bed. Yeah. The bed is pristinely made on our checkout day at the hotel because it's just such a part of grounding you every single day. Mm -hmm. And I've watched you over the course of now nine years continue to build on those habits. Yeah. And the the habit, they they evolve. What I needed then is not what I need now. What I needed then was to go to meetings regularly. I was going to two to three meetings a week regularly. Over the years, it became once a week. And then I started to not identify with the meetings anymore. They were definitely absolutely what I needed then. What I found difficult and what started to conflict with me was we would open up the meetings or when you it was your turn to speak, it was, hi, my name is Macy, I'm an addict. Or hi, my name is Macy, I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I did not like saying that. I, I, I did not identify with that anymore because I, you know, I was, I think around that time, I probably about five years in. Yeah five, six years in. And I was just like, you know, I talked to you about it. And I said, I'm not an addict anymore. I don't like words are powerful. Words are powerful. You know, I believe in the words and the emotions that energy that we put out in the universe is, is what we get. So by me continually saying, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict. It, it it was reinforcing that. And I didn't want to reinforce that anymore. You know, my identity is I'm, I am, I don't drink and I don't do drugs. That's my identity. Yeah. Right. So my habit of going to meetings for my mental health checkup uh, evolved and, and fitness, I think around that time Mm -hmm. uh, started to become more mainstay. Like I've always been active with sports, um, but in terms of going to the gym and now running, uh, I, I didn't really do that regularly at all. So my habit of going to the meetings transitioned slowly into going to the gym. And yeah. I found a program that ran three days a week, which I needed because I needed accountability. I knew that. Like I, I wasn't um, disciplined enough to just go to the gym on my own that consistently. So I signed up for something that I knew I would be accountable to. And that uh, established a habit of going to the gym quite regularly. Right. 
which also reinforced your identity of being a healthy, healthy, happy, healthy, happy guy. And like, that is so powerful what you're saying, because what also you made the decision about was to release attachment to your past history. And so many of us live from this place of, I have to bring my past with me. My past is important. My stories matter. Mm -hmm. And your past was a part of your life. It's created who you are today, but it no longer holds you prisoner. And I find so many of, you know, the men and women that tune in and clients that I work with, they're so attached to their past history, whether it's, you know, identities that they used to hold failures that they've had. I mean, you've watched me with this, especially Mm. around my money. Like I hold the identity now of being a boss CEO with my money, but that's not the identity I held quite a few years ago. No, I mean, you look in the, um, the, the natural world and and how many different animals, uh, you know, transform themselves Mm -hmm. like, you know, the tadpole to the frog and the, you know, the caterpillar to the butterfly, like we can drastically change, Right. you know, and it's always fascinating to me to run into someone that I went to high school with and to see them, you know, there's this one guy who he's a a lawyer. Now he has his own firm. He's got kids. When I remember him in high school, he was a goof. He was, (laughs) you know, I thought, what the hell is this guy going to do with his life? And, you know, that's a transformation right? He is not who he was in high school. I am not who I was when I was an addict. And everyone has that ability to transform. As long as we let go of that identity, because that is not who we are anymore. But I think you would agree. We also know quite a few people who are still very much attached to their old identities and who are still operating from those old identities and not much has changed in their lives. No, and, and you'll, I mean, if you, you speak to them, you'll notice the same patterns that they mm-hmm. were in high school, party hard on the weekends. And, you know, I, I just don't want to paint it with a wide brush, but, yeah. you know, from the conversation, you can get a sense that they haven't changed in any way. And of course, they're the same person that you knew them as today. Yeah. So to change identities and to establish new habits, I think it's really important that we mention that, you know, our identities and the behaviors that we get into and the habits that we have support us oftentimes the unhealthy ones, avoiding feeling things that we don't want to feel. We stuff them down, drugs, Mm -hmm. alcohol, social media, being busy, binge eating, binge eating, people pleasing, control, watching too much TV. Yeah. There's a gazillion things about it. And I think in order to change your identity and to change your habits, you really have to take responsibility for the ways that you are checking out in your life and tuning into the beliefs, the feelings that you're not wanting to be with. So for you, you knew you didn't want to be this unhealthy version of yourself. So in order to create this healthier version of yourself, you've stepped even, you've like doubled down on habits this year. I'm like sitting here just in awe of you because you've really done a great job of habit stacking. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. So constantly looking for ways to improve and to feel better and to put myself, uh, again, using habits in a direction that I want to go. It's really about how you want to feel about yourself your habits. It is. And it's also about how I want, you know, how I visualize, you know, my life in five years from now, 
to be that person that I visualized, what did he do today? And so this year I've established and I'm, you know, it's in the process. It's been a month now and I'm stick, stuck to it. And I'm drinking more water. Mm-hmm. I've cut out the uh, sparkling waters. Yeah. I was drinking like eight of those a day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a cup of tea a night and I never used to drink tea and, and I read every night. So those are three things. You're also running now regularly. Yes. On I'm top r- of your workouts. Running regularly. So I work out and then I run the other day. But I would say those three things are really consciously things that I've really wanted to establish. And they're not big, right? Like drink more water, um, have one cup of tea a night and, and read. And I know I'm not reading a lot. Sometimes it's 10 minutes a night, sometimes, you know, half an hour, but something every day. It's something. Yeah, I agree. You got, I've got on the board in front of me, and this has always been a big sentence for me. It's from one of my mentors, Jim Fortin. What am I committed to and who do I need to be to make it happen? So I decide what it is I want in my life. And then I make the decision about what I'm going to be committed to. So this year I decided that I want to deepen my spiritual connection, my connection to myself, the universe, whatever you want to call it. Hmm. So I've been like, I have 30, I think I'm on day 35 today consecutively of sitting 10 minutes just in silence. And you've seen me like some nights I'm like, Oh shit, (laughs) getting into bed. And I'm like, I didn't do my 10 minutes of silence. So I'm learning that even when I don't want to pause, because sometimes I'm on my way home from the gym, I want to get home, I want to eat, get ready for my clients. But if I don't pause, if I don't leave it and put it in at the end of my gym time, I often forget it until the end of the night. But even then I make sure I get it done. It has to be a non-negotiable. Yeah. And what's interesting, like with the, the reading for me is, you know, I added the 10 to 30 minutes a night. Um, and I haven't felt that I've missed out on anything that I was doing before at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I wasted a lot of time before, especially at the nighttime, just browsing on the phone. Yeah. And I still do, but at least I feel good about it because I read first. Right, right. <laughs> so these these numbing behaviors, I think we all can still get caught in them. And it's, you know, being conscious of when they're taking over too much, because the truth of the matter is when we get into these numbing behaviors, we get a hit of dopamine, which helps us feel better. And then it traps us in this cycle of always looking for that thing that's going to support us feeling better. But the problem is when you're always going to numbing behaviors, it's not sustainable. And it comes back to what I talk about on the podcast all the time, which is taking responsibility for how you want to feel about yourself, taking responsibility for caring for yourself and making yourself a priority. And you're never going to make yourself a priority if you're not willing to really tune in to how you're feeling, how you want to feel. Yeah. And, and. I think that's important to know is that you have a choice, right? You do. Like, I know that if I drink water and if I eat fairly well and I exercise regularly, I'm going to feel good. I choose to feel good. Right. Right. It's that simple. And that's what gets lost on so many people is we all have the power of choice. But if you're committed to an identity that isn't serving you, you're also going to be committed to the habits that aren't serving you. And you have to make a decision just like you did nine years ago that you wanted to be committed 
to creating a completely different life for yourself. And I did the same for me. And we, you know, we walked our separate paths together and here we are. It's pretty cool what we've built and how far we've come. Mm -hmm. I don't recognize you. You probably don't recognize me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You still think I talk too much. (laughs) No, I don't talk enough. You don't talk enough. You do much better now. But that's also another habit that we've established as a couple is making sure that we have time to connect and communicate more. Because for a lot of years, it was really hard to, yeah, to talk to you. You were very... Um, closed off. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much anymore. No. Gotten much better. So anything else you want to share in regards to habits or shedding an old identity from your perspective? I think, again, it's something that if you stick with the plan of where you want to be in, you know, two, three, five years and how you want to feel, and you know what habits are going to get you there, just have faith, right? Like you're not going to see the change day to day. You're going to see it when you look back in retrospect. Yeah. You know, I can count on probably one hand how many days I haven't made the bed or like maybe five or six in the last nine years. Um, This past month, I didn't read once, one of the nights. I don't beat myself up over it. Tomorrow, I'm going to get back on, right? Like everyone slips up or there's life throws curveballs at you. You just can't get it done. So, you know, so be it. Right. You just get yourself back into integrity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of people, they make a slip. They don't follow through on a habit and they use it as a way to abuse themselves instead of allowing themselves to be. Or or to believe in the story that I can't change. And that's not true. It isn't true. Now, if you went, let's say you went six days without making the bed. What kind of conversation would you be having with yourself then? I don't know if I'd go six days without making the bed. <laughs> <laughs> because I, the reason I ask that is I think it's important to point out that there is a line, right, of being kind to yourself, well, right? Yeah. If, you, if you misstep and getting back in integrity. But there also comes a point if you say you're committed to this thing and now for six days in a row you haven't done the thing that's going to move you towards what you're committed to, being able to have that talk with yourself and getting out of self-deception because it can be a slippery slope back to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you could reevaluate with yourself. Like, is this new habit that I'm trying to establish really going to get me in the direction I want to go? Yes. Um, yes. Well then get back on that horse. And if you decide, no, this is not the right habit that I want to be established, then find a new one that's going to put you on the path right. that you want to go. Right. No, you were talking about something about the bed making that just, um, uh, something popped up for me and um, I'll catch you in a second. <laughs> if it comes back to you. Yeah. So I was going to say, if you don't know what you're committed to, look around at your life because your life shows you what you're committed to. So when I had no money in the bank, mm-hmm. it was because I was very, very committed to a scarcity and lack never enough mindset. Yeah. Right. Like you're, if, if you are struggling with your relationship with your body or your weight, look at what you are committed to. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good, I'm glad you brought up the money thing because for you, you, you had, I'd say an unhealthy relationship with money. Yes. uh, And especially in the management of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't manage it. No, you had no clue. No, I what just, you were doing I just covered my but eyes. What we did is we had a, a, a talk and we had to sit down and we went through all your, your finances and we came up with a, a plan. Yeah. And these are the habits that you need to establish to put yourself on track. And again, you're not going to solve your money woes in a month or six months or a year, no. maybe. But if, as long as you, you, you shifted yourself from the path that got you to where you were to a path that will get you out of it and stick with that. I mean, look at you now, right? Yeah. That's no different. And sorry, what I was, yeah, what, what I remembered was, you, you know, six days, I'm not making the bed, the habits that I now do unconsciously, it's, it feels unnatural if I were not to do it. Right. Because my new identity says, this is who I am. This is what I do. So yes. no, I wouldn't go six days because it wouldn't feel unnatural to me right. because I'm a sober person who makes the bed every morning. Right. That's my identity. It's the same way I feel if, you know, I could go not go to the gym for two or three days in a row. And then after I start to get itchy because my identity is a person that goes and exercises and takes care of her body. Yeah. And that's why, you know, like I said, in the beginning of my uh, recovery, um, it was uh, consciously a lot of effort and work yeah and, and slowly i mean some of these will will happen overnight some of these will be quick some of them will take time but eventually it becomes second nature and then subconscious and then you don't even think about right. it and it's just something that you do that's right it takes a while before you become what we call unconsciously competent where it's just running at a subconscious level but in the beginning yeah it takes effort. And I think that that's where people struggle is they don't recognize it's going to be hard when you are establishing new habits, because you're literally overriding the old habits that you had that said, I don't do this. I don't make my bed. I don't go to the gym. I don't eat healthy. I don't take care of myself. I put myself last. Yeah. I mean, the nuances, how everyone operates, um, whether it be how you eat, how you drive, even how you live each day, mm-hmm. right? Like those are all nuances and they can be that long, Yeah. right? My my nuances of an addict day is a lot different than my nuances of a sober right. day. But in those days, it's literally hundreds of different decisions that I'm making. Yeah. Not consciously, it's just subconsciously now I am making those hundred different decisions than I would have made 10 years ago. Yeah. It's you know, I say all the time, you have to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable and you have to be relentless Mm -hmm. in pursuit of those commitments and relentless in pursuit of establishing those habits, right? You have to do them even when it doesn't feel good. And those of us who are successful have worked through the discomfort day in and day out because we can see what it is we want And we are so committed to the outcome that we want that we're willing to be the person who will create that for themselves. Yeah. And so back to, um, you know, celebrating in recovery, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. I do believe it is important to be able to measure and check in and see the progress because when you can establish new habits that put you in a direction towards a goal that you want to accomplish yeah. And and you can measure the progress. It's so reinforcing. I and, agree. you know, it gives you confidence that, A, you can do it. And, and, you know, when you get to a place where you feel better because you change something, yeah, you know, it's just, it gives you such hope right. and confidence that, you know, you can do something else 
the next thing, the, the, the next thing and, and so on and so on. Exactly. And this is why I think, you know, habit trackers are really important There's apps. Now you can have things on your phone. I love ticking. I've learned that I really love ticking off boxes. And like you, there's certain habits that I don't, they don't serve me anymore because now I'm at a different level. So in terms mm-hmm. of my money, right. My first habit, one of the things was tracking what, you know, just everything I spent. Yeah. We both did that for quite a while, oh, like six months, painful. nine months, but oh literally we, every single time we spent money, we tracked it. I mean, we each did our own, but yeah. it was the reason we did that was to see where was our money going? Yeah. Where was their waste? Why are we in the position well, that we're and in? I needed to get conscious about my money yeah. because I was living very unconsciously. Then I learned how to track it coming in and I'm actually going to be putting together a two part now I'm saying it out loud, so I really have to do it. So I'll have to stay accountable, but I'm going to do a two-part series of my journey around how I changed my money habits as I was yeah. sitting here today, profit firsting my money, putting it at all these fancy accounts. So I know exactly what I have everywhere. But I mean, yeah. six years ago, nine years ago, that felt like a year ago, it felt overwhelming to move to a profit first system. So but, you have yeah. to be patient with your habits. Yeah. And I mean, and what I was going to say, uh, allude to more on that was that, you know, we, we did that uncomfortable practice for, you know, number of months. Um, my, I didn't much longer. Yeah. I started much for you, but we don't do it anymore because again, we've established spending habits now. I trust myself with money now, yeah. so I don't feel the need to have like, no. I use my money with discernment. I have a lot of reverence for it. I believe yeah. I'm a good steward of my money. I slow down and make decisions from, you know, does this serve my highest and greatest good if I'm going to purchase this? And now we're really, you know, we've come a long way because now we're we're partners in money too. And for a long time, we yeah. weren't that way because you had great money habits and I had not yeah, any yeah. money. <laughs> I was afraid you're you're no going to bleed me dry. I had no money habits. <laughs> I didn't want to give you so, any money. We've come a long, we've come a long way, right? Even when I look at my habits and behaviors around my process addiction, so things like people pleasing and control and approval seeking, like, you know, that was like breathing for me. So letting go of those habits of taking care of everybody else and not myself, you know, I, again, nine years ago, I don't even recognize who that person is. So we should probably wrap up. Mm-hmm. Anything yeah. else you wanted to? No, no, I don't know. I'm sure I'll think back on it. <laughs> later. You can come back on again anytime. You guys don't even know how hard it was to coordinate having Macy come in because he's actually getting ready to go out for his workout. Now, if you are interested in changing your own habits and identity, you know, Jim is going to be opening up his be do have training very shortly. This is his transformational coaching program. I am one of the um, senior coaches in that program. My heart and soul goes into that program. Macy's been through it twice. Yeah, I've been through it. I've been with Jim since the beginning. He obviously has had a profound impact on my life, on our lives. There's so many things that that work really changed for both of us. Uh, But if you're struggling with your identity, if you're struggling with habits and commitment, I cannot recommend the work enough. So if you want to sign up for his uh, free training that he's going to be doing on Be Do Have, which really is about becoming the identity of that person that can do the things so that you can have what you want in life, you're going to want to run over and sign up for it at lisacarpenter.ca. Be Do Have 
2021 and get your name on the list and you'll learn all about Jim's methodology and I'll be in there. And uh, I look forward to supporting everybody on that journey. So thanks for coming on, love. You're welcome. It's always fun to do these with you. We really should do it more than once every 100 episodes. I'm good with this. You're good with that. I'm okay. I, <laughs> I will link. Well, I think that we have a lot of wisdom we could share on a lot of things. Although I never know what's going to come out of your mouth. But that's kind of fun, too. Uh, I will also link the episode that Macy and I did way, way back. And uh, you guys can check that out as well. But I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. It's really amazing. And I know we don't celebrate. It is a big deal. Like nine years we've been building this life together. And you are in the top like 3% of people who ever have this type of recovery. Most people really struggle to shed that identity of being an addict. And there's a whole, you know, it's brain-based and there's a lot of layers to it, but I just think it's really important to acknowledge that. I'm super proud of you and I love you and I love the life that we've built together. Thanks, babe. Love you too. One of my promises to you as my listener is that I'll always be a hundred percent real and transparent with you. And that's why I want to talk about something You might be tempted when you listen to me or another coach or even see somebody else you really admire to assume that they've got it all figured out. Maybe you even listened to this episode and now you're thinking, oh, Lisa seems like she's got things so together and there's no way she could relate to what I'm going through. I have no problem telling you that you're wrong. Yes, it's true that I've been deep in the trenches of personal development for more than a decade and I've been coaching clients for even longer. But the struggles that my clients grow through, that you're probably going through, I've been there too, and I remember what it feels like. For years, I was stuck in a vicious cycle of lack, scarcity, not feeling good enough, perfectionism, and self-doubt. I was constantly busy and doing all the things I was supposed to do, but I wasn't seeing the success I thought I should have earned by then. And the truth is, I wasn't even acknowledging the success that I had created for myself. And I was struggling to see a different perspective because I was so committed to my reality, quote unquote. One of the people who has been a really powerful mentor to me over the years and has helped me embrace new perspectives in my life and to be quite honest, completely transform Uh, how I go about my life and my business is Jim Fortin. He's not only a mentor, he's a friend, coach, and he's been a guide of mine for many, many years now. And I want to share him with you. These days, Jim makes it really easy to learn from him because he's got a great program called the Transformational Coaching Program or TCP for short. But he wasn't running that program when I was sorting through all my initial personal growth. But I wish he had been. I've seen amazing, capable humans just like you go through TCP and achieve in just 12 weeks what took me years to grasp. And my own hubby is one of those people. If you're wondering what kind of breakthroughs I'm talking about, let me give you a little preview right now. Jim helped me realize that the only force making me miserable was me. 
I was choosing to make things hard because I was and still am responsible for where I hold my attention, my thoughts, my emotions, my choices, and my results. Now, I know that might sound a bit harsh, but once you are able to accept responsibility for what goes on in your own mind, you'll start seeing whole new paths open up. You won't be stuck or caught up in your circumstances. You won't allow yourself to get bogged down with other people's stuff, and you'll stop judging yourself. You'll finally stop accepting anything less than the highest possible version of your life. This, my wonderful listener, is the key you've been looking for. If you're ready for that kind of transformation, make sure you sign up for Jim's free Be Do Have live training. And you can find that at lisacarpenter.ca forward slash Be Do Have 2021. And he's going to walk you through his process. And then he'll tell you all about his transformational coaching program. And hey, if you have any questions, slide into my DMs on Instagram or Facebook, and I'm more than happy to chat with you. Plus, if we haven't had an opportunity to work together, I'll be seeing you inside TCP because I've gone from one of Jin's students to one of his lead coaches. I'm so excited for you to take this journey and I'm happy to be able to help you make the right decision for you. Thanks for tuning in and I will see you guys on the next episode.